Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. This is episode two, where we interview designer Jonathan Cohen and his partner, co-founder and CEO, Sarah Leff. The Jonathan Cohen collection is one of our favorites of the New York New Guard, in that it's beautiful, high craft, and highly emotive. His pieces can be seen worn by fashion insiders like Eva Chen, executives, who we do not call girl bosses, and Flotus herself quite frequently. You can learn more about the collection at jonathancohenstudio.com, on Instagram, Vogue Runway, and you can find his flower shop and collection on Amazon luxury stores. Dry Clean Only is a new podcast developed by myself, Kristen Cole, and partner, Christina Ehrlich. Good morning. Let's see how this works. How are you, Christina? Good morning. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine here. Little rainy, gross day here in New York. Um, how are you? You're in you're in Santa Fe this week. I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in a very tiny, off the beaten path Airbnb in a funky little sort of like hipster neighborhood. Amazing. And I'm here for five days doing a intensive, a personal intensive. It's like a, you reorganize, you throw some things away. It's sort of like a personal spring cleaning long overdue. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Sounds like um, 2020 for me. So I, I relate. <laughs> um, all right. So last week you, you were at the Gucci show in LA. I just saw a picture of you and Natasha Leone, one of your clients. How was that? It was fab. I mean, I have to say the most impressive thing throughout everything we've all been through as a culture is that what a city can do to put on a fashion show and seeing them completely take over Hollywood Boulevard and shut it down and set up two blocks as, you know, the the runway. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of looks, cool people in the show. It was fabulous. No, it looked amazing. I loved Miranda July. I thought it just looked so... Perf- perfectly cast. The whole thing was just so LA in the in the best way possible. I loved it. It showed the the sort of I think what it get it left the, the imagination to really see that fashion is the imagination and how all styles can be brought onto the street. Mm-hmm. And everybody is doing everything from mixing lingerie to back in the 70s to colors to turtlenecks. The one thing I will just point out because I think you would have loved it is the accessories and the pieces that they had, this one eye patch thing that they made over the eyes. I mean, Alessandro Michel is a visionary and he is an extreme dreamer. Yeah. Very, very cool. Cool, cool. And then I loved, um, I just have to say, I loved Phoebe Bridgers in it, who you and I talked about. She looked amazing. And then Macaulay Culkin, who looked so great. He was like, you know, made for that show. Um, and same week, his little brother, Kieran Culkin was on hosting SNL, which was pretty great. Um, so yeah, that was interesting moment. So, okay. This week in fashion, Daniel Lee is out at Bottega Veneta, which is crazy. I, I have no idea how or why this has happened. I haven't heard anything. Um, but you know, he totally revolutionized Bottega. It's like, he's been an amazing force there. So that How many seasons was he there total? Three? I think just a few years. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be about three years. So he's done amazing things for that brand. I'll, I'll have to fact check that. But um, yeah, it's really, really strange. So I'm curious what the story is there. And then last get your, night, get your cassette bag now. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I never, I never got one. I, yeah, it's so good. I only have vintage Bottega in my closet. And then I do have one current pair of lug sole boots, um, by the new Bottega and they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Today I'm actually wearing my Loewe, um, lug sole boots because I only wear ugly, you know, shoes these days. Um, but they are wonderful today. What's that? A real hipster today. I'm yeah, I'm a grungy hipster today because it's raining and, and gross out. So I have my new um, cashmere ribbed beanie by Co um, on my head, which is just so lovely. And I still have to show you the gloves I got. Um, I'm wearing a, a vintage T-shirt from uh, Filth Mart in Los Angeles. They used to be one of the 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of the sourcing agents I used for my vintage assortments um, for 4510 back in the day. Um, and this is like tissue thin and it has a million holes. And I mean, it's about to deteriorate, but yeah, it's dark side of the, I like the hole in the, in the rainbow part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just the artwork is so good. Um, and then I'm wearing really old vintage, not vintage, really old Rachel Comey denim, her like high waist straight. The wide, the wide leg, like the yes, straight leg. This is like high waist, straight leg. I have this in a number of washes. I used to sell it all the time and I just love this denim. I wear it all the time. Um, And then I have on these amazing socks that I have to show you, um, which are like athletic socks by Entire World. And, you know, Entire World just went out of business, which is pretty crazy. It was uh, Scott... Sternberg's new, um, you know, kind of like knitwear company. I thought it was going to be the next American apparel or something, but they are shutting down. So if you want to buy any great pieces by entire world, everything's on sale. And what was his first um, band of outsiders, each, you know, which was, you know, pretty successful, you know, for some amount of time. And then it got um, acquired and then he was out, and then he started this entire world, which had, you know, great branding and was really, um, yeah, a nice knitwear company. But anyways, the socks are amazing. So I'm going to go on and buy uh, more of these athletic socks before, <laughs> before they're gone. What else? That's, that's what I'm wearing. What are you wearing today? I mean, we are, we are actually very symbiotic. So I'll start with my socks because you know, I'm a sock obsessed. Da, 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 da. Can you see? Yes. What so are those? Pink crochet Ooh. socks that feel like your, your grandmother made them. And they're by that Italian shoe company, AGL. I love that. And they're all, they're all cotton and they're the perfect like ballet pink and they're crocheted. So your feet can breathe in them. And I'm obsessed. Pretty. I love them. No socks are like the new shoes. So it's, then I am wearing my first pair of Gabriella Hurst linen pajamas that she gave me years ago when she first started up and she would make a small run of pajamas for friends at Christmas. Those are so pretty. They've got my initials on them. Beautiful, beautiful linen that she also talks about how she treats the linen in some way with aloe in the production. You're kidding. It's, oh, it's a whole thing that they have aloe cools your body down. That's incredible. Then I've got on our Sister necklace, yeah, the Tiffany necklace, because who doesn't wear a necklace with their pajamas? Exactly, obviously, need that. Uh, that is about what I've got for you, head to toe, in this uh, hipster little Santa Fe. I mean, you should see, it's like a little funky village. What did you bring with you? Did you bring just like yoga clothes and things, or did you bring real fashion? Well, the problem is, is that whenever I travel, uh, I create an editorial, I become an editor and I go into my closet and I pull out all the pieces that sort of speak to me that feel like that place. So I've got a poncho here from Gabriella Hurst. I've got this incredible um, Movi raw silk electric feathers, like jumpsuit thing with like this bohemian belt that's like, you know, Varushka goes to Turkey and is in like the flea market kind of vibe. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, like I got enough clothes to stay in Santa Fe for about three weeks and I'm leaving tomorrow. That's perfect. Uh, I brought my big, I don't know if you ever met, learned about this brand called Avon Spores hmm. no. from Ibiza. And she makes these crazy, like think if Chloe did a collection and they said, we're making 10 of these. Hmm. And, oh, you know what? It's a little bit like Chloe meets Marnie, but they're hmm. these beautiful pieces where she hand sews with gold threading on it. So I brought a lot of like big loose tops. Yeah. A lot of Raquel Allegra, some mm-hmm. of my leggings, lot, socks up the wazoo. Yeah. I have teen pair of socks and I'm here for five days. I, but I laugh at myself because <laughs> my, my clothes are my friends and they're my comfort. Yeah. So like there's even one sweater that I bought that I just brought that I just like to sleep with. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand. This is why it's so hard to purge and, you know, get rid of. Well, really, my, my new mantra is with like fashion and clothes these days is that I have acquired so much stuff through the years 
where, and trust me, I would love to shop all the time, but there's so many beautiful things that I have that I've never even enjoyed. Totally. That I've like, I've got like a dress dress that a dress wrap skirt. I've never worn it. Yeah. So I feel like in the times that we're in and just listening to all these conversations, even to sustainability, fashion, I'm really trying to like ask myself, like, does this piece of clothing bring me joy? Yeah. Do I see this in my closet? Does this really work into what I need? I mean, yeah, I tear it down, but I, that's kind of my mindset. No, I think, you know, conscious shopping has certainly conscious consumerism has certainly become, you know, the new, the new norm, or at least the new aspiration. And I've, I've thought about this a little, um, you know, con- considered consumerism, like it's like actually looking at your wardrobe, knowing what your lifestyle is like knowing what you love and actually considering every purchase and not just doing it, you know? So like this co beanie and the amazing cashmere gloves I bought to go with it. You know, that was something I thought about for a few weeks before I did it. Old is a set or you bought them individually? I bought them individually, but I'm going to wear them. I'll, I'll put them on in a minute. They, they come up to here. I mean, they're incredible. They're incredible. I might, I might have to follow suit. I have a pair of gloves that if they don't come out and, and see a moment of life, um, Kate and Laura from, from Rodarte mm-hmm. one Christmas gave me a pair of chocolate brown leather gloves that come all the way up to there and all up the side of your fingers and up the side of your arm is a black ruffle. Oh, I know those. Wear, yeah. You wear it with I a black top and the butt thing and like, oh, a that is so chic. Oh my God. You still have those? Have them. They've never been worn. Oh my God. Yeah. You have never, to wear that. My office is doing a, a test shoot today in Los Angeles for this beautiful young new girl. And I yeah. literally said to Bridget, I said, go in the drawer and take those gloves. Just don't get anything on them. You have to bring those to New York when you come. Yes, Please. Please. Oh, we have all kinds of um, activities. It is sweater season. Yes. Yes. We've arrived. Yes. And we're going to talk to Jonathan Cohen about that today for sure. Um, yeah. What are some of your, I mean, I'm not wearing one today. I was wearing one of my husband's old elder statesman um, tie-dyed cashmere sweaters this morning. Cause it's, you know, giant on me and so comfortable and so soft. Um, what are some of your like go-to knitwear brands that, that you personally wear over and over? I would say Gabriella Hurst is number one for me because I've acquired some of her sweaters throughout the years and they just get better and better and better with time. And they're comfortable and they're fashionable and And sustainable and sustainable and the most luxurious. And they, they don't, they're very uh, comforting on, they don't feel like you're wearing a pretentious fashion item necessarily. Um, I'm a huge fan. I've collected probably, uh, almost 50 knits from Costume National back in the day. And I have just the shapes that he used to do and the weaves that he used to do and his color palette in the naturals was uh, bar none, like from the oatmeals to the grays and then he'd go into mauves and every season it would be different. But in each collection, he would do a whole collection of sweaters that spoke to like the other ready to wear pieces. And a lot of them are oversized and off the shoulder, very you sort of like, like, like aughts or nineties. Oh, these are sweaters that I got in the nineties and in two thousands until they kind of closed it up. Then I'm a big, big, huge fan of Lutz and Patmos from back in the day. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of great long cashmere cardigans from them. Yeah. Uh, thanks to you. I'm obsessed with Co. I know. I only have one to date. I have one piece from her and it's you will have more. It's that oatmeal uh V-neck cardigan that's okay. kind of like a little bit cropped, but a little yeah. bit boxy. Great. And um, I think that I'm actually a little bit nervous if I ever like go over there and see everything that she does. I'm a little bit removed. It's a problem. Yeah, no, it's a problem. I have uh, I definitely have uh, a lot of their knits at this point. They are so luxurious and yeah, very sustainably made and sourced and you know, the row of course is amazing. And I have some from when I used to sell it, but I, I don't buy that retail very often. Um, it does have great knits. I agree. I have a fisherman one. And then, you know, our guest today, Jonathan Cohen, I, I have a few of his knits that I love. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to him about that. Also like what, 
yarns he uses and if they're upcycled or recycled, you know, cashmeres and all of that. Cause I feel like I only go for cashmere, which is obviously expensive and luxurious, but it's also cause I don't know, um, you know, what other knits will feel nice. Like I can't stand being itchy or, you know, anything like that. So I'm curious what he uses, like what kind of blends, um, and then one other um, knitwear brand I will call out just because it's a really sharp price point and they also have a huge, you know, sustainable effort. It's a lot of upcycled and recycled um, cashmere, but Ghani, Ghani started as a cashmere knitwear brand before they got into everything else. And when I had the dinner party, a dinner party with the designers, they came out from Copenhagen once and they're so lovely husband and wife team. And she told me all about the process of their knitwear, which is again, a really sharp price point for how beautiful it is. And yeah, I had no idea it was, it was a whole knitwear brand before it was everything, everything that we know today, which is obviously a much, much bigger line. That's cool. And Oh, the other thing we should touch on are the CFDA awards happened this week. And um, they had them at the Grill, which is, you know, in New York, in Midtown. And that building, I actually ate there with my husband recently. Um, I did not attend the awards, but the Grill was designed by Mies van der Rohe. And then the building is, you know, Philip Johnson. So it's just the chicest space you can imagine in New York. It's so perfect. And the bar is so incredible. Um, so that happened and yeah, Zendaya was there wearing Vera Wang and Carly Kloss was there wearing Kate, um, Christian Siriano did Drew Barrymore. I don't know if you saw that. It was like a really yeah, big yellow dress. Emily Blunt was in Christopher John Rogers. Um, yeah, it looked really, really beautiful, really interesting. A lot of events going on. There's a, a lot, a lot. It's going on. I know Mew Mew's having one in New York next week. And yeah. I'm still like, I don't know. I, I feel like, like, you know, you and I both went to some shows during fashion week and I still really love an outdoor event, but I don't know. I'm still not super into indoor events, even though everyone is doing it so safely. And I just was reading this morning that New York City, you know, I mean, the vaccination rate is so high now, especially now that children are getting vaccinated. And in Westchester, where I live now, the vaccine rate in adults is 91%. Can you believe that? Yeah. Very high. And my um, my 10-year-old is getting vaccinated this weekend. So uh, oh, the first shot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they just, they just, um, approved Pfizer for the five to 11 year olds. Um, so it's super exciting. Um, so yeah, he gets his vaccination this weekend, which is, um, really just like what I've been wishing for, for almost two years. So I'm so, so excited about that. Um, all right. So I think we'll just loop in, um, Jonathan and his business partner, Sarah now, and take it from there. Thanks for joining us today. We have um, Sarah's and Jonathan Cohen with us today uh, of his eponymous label out of New York. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. us. Good morning, guys. Good morning. All right. So Jonathan, you and Sarah are in, where are you? You're in Brooklyn today. Brooklyn today. Um, we both, since the pandemic, we got rid of our studio that was on the Bowery and we work out of our apartments now. So sometimes we'll be my place or sometimes at Sarah's place on the Upper East Side. Fantastic. How, how were the CFDA awards? I know you went. It was great. I had an awesome time. The event space was beautiful. I think the CFDA and, you know, now having Tom Ford on board, just like it really was just awesome. And it was great to see people that I haven't seen since the pandemic. Um, it was really nice to dress up and yeah. everyone very relaxed and like they were just like everyone looked like they're really happy to be there and to support one another and so it was a really nice feeling that's so nice and yeah any excuse to dress up these days and yeah all of the the Mies van der Rohe furniture and it's just I mean the chicest environment in New York I thought the like blinds that were on the windows were like 
electronic. I didn't realize that they were like all these beads. It was just the way they. Oh made yeah. Them. Um, well, that's what I was saying when I walked in, I, I was like, this is going to be a different CFDAs because it was just like all these dirty martinis on the table and it just looked so. Ah, oh, so chic. It's definitely, yeah, it's another era. It's, it's yeah. Mad Men era. It's just exactly. so it's like, chic. Yeah. I'm not a like huge drinker, but I love a dirty martini. So I was like, I'm not going to say no to that. I love any kind of martini. I am very, very there for that. And yeah, my husband and I learned how to, you know, mix a very good martini throughout the pandemic. That was that's one of my pandemic skills as well. Yeah, that's I mean, so, so key, so vital, right? Tell me your your DTC business versus your wholesale business, Sarah, how are you guys doing, um, you know, in terms of your sales channel shifts? Are you guys all in on your own model or awesome. a, a kind of mix? We, pre-pandemic, we were about at a 90% wholesale model with a 10% D2C or private customers. And we were in the process of finding the opportunities to transition, taking a break of ready to wear starting February, 2020 to relaunching our fall 21 collection we're at about a 50-50 wholesale direct-to-consumer model, and it's been wonderful. It's really been invigorating and exciting. That's yeah. so smart. That's so smart. I think it's so nice. I've you know watched this shift, and obviously as a former retailer, it's been really interesting. But you know, I think brands taking over you know more control of their own distribution has just been really a, ga- a game changer for so many brands. Yeah, well, it's nice to have you know somewhat control over the business. Yeah. When you're and and not in any way, shape, or form, like as a diss to like retailers, we love working with them. We yeah. still, but you know, when you have, you can never have your exit all in one basket. And I do think that's an interesting thing about the industries. We always think like it's one or the other, and it's like for us, it's like no, we do D to C, which is important. And we also have our retailers, which are important. I think so much of our brand is storytelling. You know, Jonathan hand he's sitting there creating every textile and while we are able to story tell with our wholesalers and it's a wonderful process to get in store and do trunk shows i think instagram and our website and our newsletter have allowed us to kind of walk the customer through each piece as we release it from like what was in jonathan's head when creating that particular print how does he like seeing it worn like you know where does it come from how is it made who's in the partnership and it's really been wonderful putting it out there and also opening the conversation to those who are buying it to ask more questions or tell us why they love it what they would like to see different in it oh yeah the feedback loop is really important that's so great yeah i'm just curious um now that we're in this season where we're all like you know back into our sweaters and like there's such a big significance to like just like the layers and the warm dressing just it's such a big passion of mine that you guys do and I feel like I've been there since the beginning if you could kind of maybe just dive in a little bit about your knitwear in the process and where you're getting the yarns from and just sort of how your whole process kind of unfolds yeah I mean knitwear is always very important to me Christina has been there since the beginning and she's seen those sweaters since the beginning um you know, I think from a design perspective, the incredible thing about knitwear is that it's endless possibilities. You know, it's a, a ball of yarn that you can knit with your hands or with a machine and it's endless, you know? So it's con- constantly, I feel like from a design perspective, knitwear is like super innovative because you're always can do something different with it. Um, you know, we'll never reach, it's like unlimited. And then from just a wearability factor, I think knitwear is one of the most important um, parts of our wardrobe, especially in this, you know, this century. You know, I think that's easy to travel. It keeps you warm. It comes in different weights. It doesn't wrinkle like other fabrics, you know? So there's something really cozy and amazing about it that I think everyone buys into knitwear, you know? And we always see that people really invest into good knitwear. Yeah, I mean, I think knitwear is something that it is. It is something that, you know, you can go high, you can go low, but when you are buying, you know, a beautiful sweater or a cardigan, it is something that, at least for me, because I covet my knitwear, that it has just that sort of sentimental value to it. And I think it's a really important, I mean, I have to share, you. I have guys, I don't know if you remember, but the turtleneck, black turtleneck, it's very full bodied and it's longer in the back and it's shorter in the front and it has yes. on the shoulders. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. 
Do you remember? I, I have that. I love it. It is still such a fun sweater to like layer, but I have to say the thing that you guys touch on that is so um, special and unique to what you do is that how you bring your whole love of like the floral and all of the tiny nuances that you do with so them. cute. It, it's that the, the, the sweaters have like a real magical quality to them. It's not just like putting on a sweater. Like, you know, when you put something on of one of your knits that just even down to the way you'll use a different fabric, like to tie the bow or like the stitching on the flower is so sincere and you have like the red and the white and the green. It's like, it's like your grandmother's sweater, but made for the modern day brand new. I always say, and I have this conversation with you, Christina, I feel like, especially as the wearer of knitwear constantly, you put on our sweater and you feel loved. It has like this mm -hmm. fit, it's oversized or whatever it is. It's like, there's an ounce of beauty. Um, and our sweaters have like, have evolved over the years from the first piece that you were talking about, which was I think our second season into knitwear to where we are now, that category has grown to us to such significant part of our business that um, we're continuing to grow it and finding new partners and expanding that. But something like a sweater I'm wearing today has been an evolution of love over the years. And we now do a lot of our knits in Italy. And so it's a machine knit with a hand embroidered detail yeah. to the point that our spring 22 collection that we just released has a cardigan that the embroidery for each cardigan takes 195 hours. Yeah, And I think what's amazing about that is like, you know, we think of embroidered and we think of like just couture dresses. I mean, I'm, you know what I mean, Christina, especially, you know, working with like these embroidered dresses and then to have it on this everyday piece, you know, with that hand that like you can see the handwork involved, but it's so easy to wear, I think is something really special and kind of like a modern couture, you know? And I think that the one really beautiful thing that you guys have really done since, you know, we came out of the pandemic is while sort of, you know, rebringing your whole business back into a whole new light, that there's a real DNA to the Jonathan Cohen sensibility and it's flowers and it's happy and it's artisanal and there it's, there's just a very unique quality, so. Yeah, no, I think um, that pandemic made me like almost double down on our message. You know, it's like what we've been doing is actually more important than ever now. You know, that idea of like allowing our customer or the wearer to kind of escape for a little bit you know, to have something that has love to it and that you can really feel. Um, so, yeah. We get a lot, you get a lot of your heritage, you know, your personal heritage in it. And I have to say that it would really be a dream for me. And I told this to Sarah a week or so ago, is that if you guys would start going into home and what you do with these sweaters to do throw blankets and pillows, I think, and like even like baby blankets, I think they would be a huge hit. I love that. If anyone's listening and has like a home partnership, we've been, <laughs> we've been not for lack of trying. We really want to do that. I think it'd be amazing. Kristen might have I was going to say, I have a few ideas for you for sure. Um, even in Mexico, actually, um, some really great producers down there. Um, speaking of Mexico, I mean, I know you have Mexican heritage and I, I'm curious, do you, do you guys do a lot of work in Mexico or do you use that as more of an inspiration point? A little bit of both. I think, you know, we just launched a few months ago um, a project we, we did with some artisans in Mexico that did some of our floral embroideries on um, placemats. Mm. And it's really beautiful because the um, every artist who like did the embroidery would then embroider their name in the corner because I think it's really important to give them, you know, kind of trying to- Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. some rec recognition. And also to know that like, there's a person who made this, you know? The impurities are the perfection of it. Yeah, I feel sometimes when you buy something, you forget that like someone actually made that. With their own, <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's a that's a huge issue in the fashion yeah. industry is yeah, just the supply chain and yeah. um, where those things get lost. Um, yeah. you, you paused Jonathan one season during the pandemic early on, was that, pause intentional was it you know a moment to reflect and get clear was it just you know operational what was behind that pause um it was a little bit of all those things I mean Sarah and I were in Paris for market in March of 2020 so right like as mm -hmm. Italy 
outbreak and there's all these rumblings of a lockdown and none of us what that meant. And we came back to New York and we very quickly kind of saw like the writings on the wall. And we, thankfully, I think we both made very quick decisions. I mean, Sarah and I are very decisive. You know, we don't like sit around and like dwell on things. We're very like, this is what we're going to do. Let's do it. By March 10th, we had decided to not produce the Fall 20 collection that we just put down the runway and started making calls with our partners in the wholesale and just explained to them what we were doing. And, you know, kind of in the days and weeks following, everyone was kind of figuring out what was going on, what decisions were right for them. And it was right for us. Um, We had other projects that we were also doing. We weren't just the ready to wear brand. We had previously launched in December, 2019, our platform, the studio, which is our area of like one of a kind of small runs of upcycled garments, working with our own, with our own dead stock and our own fabric remnants. And we decided we would take that time to really just focus on what we already had in front of us and what our, what we consider like our own waste and how to create and how to get more hands-on and really reflect and see what was happening in the world before jumping into cut and sew more clothes. We just felt we couldn't let that time get past us. And like, it's not, you know, we, we were very busy during the pandemic. We, and part of it was just like keeping the company at a survival mode and making sure that we'd be stronger from it. And we just, we didn't want to come back doing a collection without really thinking of how we're doing it, what we're doing, and like really focus on the changes that we've been thinking about for the last few years. Very cool. Did you feel like your um, creative process changed at all? Having, did you give yourself that creative space during that time or was it? I did. I actually, it was the first time in my life that I've done that where I didn't, I mean, aside from like our flower shop, which was like something different, but um, design wise, I really didn't work on, I didn't do a print. I didn't sketch a dress for the first like six months of, not six months, maybe like four months of the pandemic, which is a very, like, you have to understand. It's a a long time for you. I've been designing, yeah. Keeping up with the design cycle, it's like onto the next, okay, great. You're Oh yeah, so relentless. I don't know how, I don't know how y'all do it. It's always blown my mind to be able to you know put out so many collections a year especially some of the big houses with the you know 13 deliveries it's just like how do they do it before that for me it's like I've been sketching and like designing since I was like six you know and like yeah it was the first time I really like I can't design my way out of this problem that we're going through in the world and I thought I I thought that was important to kind of confront what was going on and not try Mm -hmm. to like you design just race past it. There's yeah. a um, an essay by this artist, Jenny O'Dell. Have you read it? It's called Inhabiting the Negative Space. I haven't. It's very good. I talk about this a lot with different creatives because it's it was actually a commencement speech um, at Harvard during the pandemic, but she talks a lot about the art of doing nothing and the creative mm-hmm. process. I did, I did like read excerpts of that. It was amazing. It's I'm- pretty incredible. I, I had heard about it. I'm going to, I'll look it up after and see it again. Yeah, the book is How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy. And then the commencement speech is Inhabiting the Negative Space and like all the juicy, amazing things that happen in that in that space. I have to interject and say that I'm holding my precious little copy of it in my hands. Kristen, I've been taking it everywhere with me. She was so generous to buy me a copy of it. It's, it's like... Referred to as the incidents, and it's very, very, very edited precisely and super creative. Yeah, it's really good. Um, do you wanna do you wanna ask yeah. Jonathan about the flower shop while we're on that thread? Yes, I mean I will say that one of the days because I did spend a lot of time on Instagram during the pandemic, I was shocked when I because I you know I've always I'll say this. I'm one of the very few that has probably now three uh, personalized sketches by Jonathan. And these are sketches that emulate the exact same feeling of beauty and femininity and dreaming and flowers in his sketches. And you were so brilliant during the pandemic to like pick up this as a a form where you made these cards for people and they were beautiful. They were like individual little painted bouquets. They were all different. Some were more, you know, uh, what do you say when all the flowers are together, some were more wild, but Jonathan, like, 
I, I know a lot about it, but, you know, share with us like sort of how that became like a little bit of your, you know, artistic release during that time yeah, so and, a, and a business. Yeah. It became like a, like lifeline. A, yeah. It like kept us in business, which was amazing. Um, so the story behind it was, can I cuss on here? I like sprayed the shit out of the flowers with Lysol. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. That's the first. I haven't heard about that yet. How scared I was. <laughs> but I also thought how sad that is that like, you know, getting flowers is now like this, like, feels like a life or death situation. So one, my mom was mad because she's like, I really like the flowers and now they're ruined. So I started, I like started sketching these bouquets to send to people to like say thank you and just like, you know, love you. Just sending messages to people. Cause like, I was like, if I'm feeling this other people must be scared of like, you know, getting deliveries yeah. and, and then I was on a walk and I called Sarah and we both kind of had the idea at the same time. I was like, I have an idea. She's like, I've been thinking about something too. <laughs> and so I said, what if we take these bouquets and we kind of do this like e-card business. So brilliant that, you know, we'd have like the little card, the little like sketched out card next to the bouquet, you'd send your message, we'd write it in. And then what we thought was amazing about, it, we could call our flower shop. So it's a place of community, mm -hmm. but sphere. And then we also attached charities behind it so we could get a percentage. I saw that. I think that's so brilliant. I love that. The concept over eight days from when Jonathan and I had this conversation to building out the whole back end of the site to accommodate this to originally launch with seven arrangements. Six were already pre-designed by Jonathan. One was a customizable option. And we launched with four charities in mind. And then as every new opportunity came out or there was some, anything was going on in the world that we wanted to express our feelings or do something or get involved, we would launch a new bouquet. So on May 30th, following George Floyd, you know, obviously a lot of emotions go into design and beauty, but also reminiscing on things. So we launched an arrangement with 100% proceeds going back to the bail project. And we got an overwhelming response, but it also became a product that anyone could go on and send kind words or express an emotion to someone with the beauty of flowers. Yeah. And so we had everything from friends going on to buying 50 arrangements for their friends, just being like, I'm thinking of you today, I love you, to children writing very powerful messages to their parents. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that breaks my heart, that's so sweet. One of the ones that like really stood out to me, I remember um, we got an order for the George Floyd bouquet and it was a daughter writing something to a mother being like, I'm now that we can have these tough conversations and like come out of it. And I just remember that message really got to me because like, when you, we just started it not realizing that people were going to get so personal on the messages, yeah. but to, to see that the flower shop, our flower shop was doing what we set out for it to do. It was creating a community. It was creating oh, nice. you know, people to speak to one another. And I thought that was really important. And then also like just from a business standpoint, like, you know, during Mother's Day, we would get like almost like 500 orders a day. You're yeah. kidding. That's yeah, crazy. It, it, you know, and it also was great because as we're trying to out and you're all in, everyone is in home. It was the first time Jonathan and I had been apart from each other working for more than 10 days. Mm -hmm. Started the company. And like, I would wake up every morning to an inbox full of the orders coming in. Just some days I had to call Jonathan at 6 a.m. Like, you need to get out of bed at 6 a.m. Because we have so many orders coming in that we both, like, we were on the computer and pulling, you know. It's crazy. But it was phenomenal because you also got like we would call each other. We would get these messages coming in, and sometimes we'd be in tears because yeah. of you and the message. Like I remember one customer who professed his love to his girlfriend in it and wanted to propose to her on, the so but it was nine paragraphs long. And I called him like, edit, edit, dude. Yeah, beautiful, but like there's an indicated text box. Like, how would you like us to go about this? He's like, well, I, I mean every word. I was like, I understand that, but it doesn't yeah. fit on flowers. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Um, very cool. So I, I think I know the answer to this question a little bit since we're talking so much about sketching, but Jonathan, when you're kind of sitting down and getting ready to start a new collection, which you're doing all the time, does it start in the sketch phase? Does it scar start, you know, with some other um, ritual or habit or? 
before I sketch, before I touch paper, before I like put anything down, I research. I could spend a good month, month and a half researching before mm. anything. Mostly because like I really approach collections like a movie, you know, and like storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's really important to understand like the mindset I'm about to live in for the next six months. Yeah. This yeah. Um, one of, was it the last collection, What Dreams May Come? The, is that from the Robin Williams movie? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. I haven't seen that. I mean, in a million years, but I. I, I had, I don't know if it was like, because we were doing like our flower shop stuff. I was just thinking of all these like painterly flowers mm-hmm. and that, oh, that movie, I haven't seen it. So I watched it during quarantine. I was like, aside from like very heaviness of the movie. Yeah just this idea of like going into whatever your idea of heaven is or like this new world mm-hmm. which Robin does like passes yeah. and then ends up in his wife's paintings because that's yeah. the happiest moments and that so I really wanted I thought that was really just kind of what I was thinking about you know yeah. of this new world and what's the world going to look after this and like what would make it better and like what you know so yeah that makes sense. Yeah, and it was a nice mindset to stay in for the last, because we did part one and then the new collection we launched two weeks ago is part two of it. It also just reminded me of like a big reason I got into fashion, aside from like loving women and wanting to empower them. Also from a personal standpoint, it's really like saved my life, you know, and really gotten yeah. me. So I, I really wanted that in the collection. To, to pass that along to other people. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Sarah, what, what brought you to fashion? I know you guys met um, in design school at Parsons? I have always loved design, like anything creative. I would always sketch all through high school and I always felt I was supposed to go on a different track and just like a, a level of entrepreneurship and love for design and clothing and what it is. And so I studied design and management in school. So basically studying business and the mindset of how to work in the design industry and with designers and how to make it because it doesn't fit the same PL statements as it would in any other kind of industry. Uh, and Jonathan and I decided freshman year, like eventually we would come together and do something and we did. Cute. That's amazing. Very cool. So guys, I have a question for you. Now that the city is like sort of, you know, back and everybody's in some version of back, is the city influencing your design and your sort of just even inspiration in a different way than it did before the pandemic? Good question. I think I'm... The hard part about the pandemic for me design-wise is that I'm very, like, I come from, I'm a very, like, empathetic person, is that the word? Like, there's a lot of empathy, and I think that's why um, I went into design, because, like, it's about understanding people and culture and, like, human behavior. So for me not to be around people for so long was, like, really difficult. Mm -hmm. I'm not even that social of a person. I'm kind of shy and awkward, but, like, I'm very observant of people, and I've been like that my whole life. And in New York, you're around so many people on a daily basis so yeah out and about again mm-hmm. because I was like I don't even know if I'm ever going to meet new people again totally. you know the interaction between people and you know seeing like it's kind of lately the last I mean there's a lot of issues obviously that we're having from the pandemic as a you know society but there's also I'm, I'm seeing a lot of more softness in people and a lot more like compassion and people just like you know want to have a good time and like just connect with people so that kind of has been really beautiful to see and people really are enjoying dressing up and it's kind of awesome to see that and I think as horrible as like all the supply chain issues are and you know it's kind of forced people to go back into stores and like you know kind of congregate in places so I think it's 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 cool and I don't know if you guys feel like this but like Everything I do now, I'm like so appreciative. But even going to the CFD Awards, like just being in a ballroom with a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. Like very grateful. And just going out to dinner. Dinner, exactly. I think being able to like, especially yeah. now, if you go out and you sit outside and you're just like in the streets of New York, there's a love and a passion in the air. Like yeah. one thing I really started doing that I made an effort of really carving out time during the pandemic is just walk. And I would yeah. go with a friend who I go on these crazy walks around the city and pushing ourselves to find something new and you really see the beauty of New York. Even like I remember during, before even I was vaccinated, I like got the courage to go to the MoMA, you know, and like I was double masked and everything, but like just being in the MoMA and like looking at art was like, it was like 
I'd seen yeah it was just really beautiful so I think everything's like just impacting me a lot more so it's um it's it all yeah it all feels more special yeah I never stopped going to galleries or museums you know masks that was like my meditation throughout the pandemic and I never stopped eating outside but um you know, I, I just started, you know, hugging my friends again after I was vaccinated. And, you know, that felt amazing. And yeah, the, the shift of post-vaccination has been uh, indoors with. I know at Balthazar. I know that was, yeah, that was in the springtime. It was so fun. <laughs> like fish tank kind of, I remember. <laughs> we were like, okay. Um, no, it's, it's exciting. And yeah, I still feel, yeah, the exact same way. All right, we have just a couple of minutes left. Um, I will tell you, honestly, it's because I haven't upgraded my Zoom account and I have to do it. So we have to stay within 30 minutes. I have to upgrade. A couple things. So Sarah, you guys, or both of you, you just hit your 10 year anniversary. That's, you know, a pretty impressive threshold, right? Well, no, I think you're right. I just completely we, forgot. I think we just keep- <laughs> I, read, I read that somewhere. So I'm like, do I have that right? Well, what's interesting is like you, pre-pandemic everyone had these big anniversary parties when you hit 10 and I think we're just kind of constantly being inspired and developing new things within within the company so it doesn't feel like we're just 10 it's like what else can we do to evolve today how are we growing Mm -hmm. I think this last year for us both personally has been a really exciting year granted everything going on in the world I think we're finally figuring out how to be good to ourselves both the business and our personal lives and what we can continue to do and find love. And, you know, it's the two of us these days running the business. And I think it's kind of stronger and better than ever. Like we're really tackling and being yeah. true to what we want for this brand. And it might've taken us 10 years to determine that, but we're very much going to the beat of our own drum with what the future holds. As long as we get there, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we survived the first 10 and we survived a pandemic. So I think we're doing pretty great. Absolutely. The kind of 10 year takeaway is define your own path. Mm-hmm. And then enjoy the process and the moments. Like, don't let them like overwhelm you. It's just like how to build things in like the next. And it's like, or what you get. Probably why I wasn't so like conscious of the 10 year. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you take things in stride. I'm just trying to like present up stuff. 100%. What what are some of your goals in terms of, I know you guys have a very sustainable brand. There's a, you know, huge focus on craftsmanship and community. What are your visions for, you know, how things evolve? I mean, when you're talking about community, I, I've been thinking a lot about this and I, you know, we'd love to have like a small store eventually, mm-hmm. you know, something that we can really bring people together. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, with, sensibility it could be pretty amazing as Sarah's looking at me she's like no no No, you guys I'm all for this like I'm not you know doing retail anymore because I don't personally believe in the model that I was in but I think you know brands are the new curators and I'm so I'm so into it and especially from a New York City perspective you know seeing more little shops you know emerge out of this you know dearth of retail would be really exciting and you know small format like I love the whole dime square situation like the little Bodie the little Sandy Lang um everything down there is so vibey and so fun and I could totally see you guys you know we're doing a pop-up in December great awesome awesome I will see you there I love going down there you may not have time to do anything sort of about red carpet and all of that. I was really excited, Jonathan, to just touch on some of the processes that, you know, you and I have gone through in dresses that girls have worn, but. I'll try to go as fast as I can. The, I think because it was my first red carpet dress we ever did, and it was an incredible moment, was doing Uzo for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I had, it was the first time I met Christina. It was the first time working on a custom piece for a red carpet for a celebrity. Uzo Aduba. Yeah, and it made me, they were both just made me feel so comfortable. And, you know, we all kind of stepped into the meeting and Christina and Uzo were like, what character are we? What is the story behind this? And like that, like they spoke my language. So I was like, this is gonna be great. Um, And then she won the Emmy. So that was like our first moment. Um, The second one's (laughs) funny more funnier moment with Greta Gerwig. I don't know if you remember this, Christina. So I had an accident where my shower shattered all over me. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> this is a great story. I mean, not great story, but a very... Well, then what, what, because of what happened was funny. So I like had to get 
it was really bad. Like I couldn't walk. I had like to get stitches in my hand. And the next day, well, first of all, Sarah, Christina, they like took care of me and were amazing. But the next day, Christina was dressing Greta Gerwig and we were dressing her in something um, for, I think it was like Raph Simmons' sh first show for Calvin Klein. So it was like a big moment huh? yep. for all of us. And <laughs> Christina was like, I really need you to come to the office to fit her. And it was, which was so sweet because she knew it would make me feel, you know, great. Because I love Greta, I've always loved Greta Gerwig. I love um, her too. Yeah. I love but, all of her movies. But it was just really funny because I come in kind of walking like Quasimodo <laughs> because I can't even, like, I couldn't even have shoes on because of all the cuts from the glass. And so I'm like walking and limping and Christina's like, how are we going to do this? And Greta's looking at me like he's going to pin me. <laughs> that is incredible. But um, you have to admit that one of the nicest things that happens with fashion and you never know when those moments are is that it brings people together. And when you're doing a custom collaboration, things happen last minute. There's always a story that enters into it. But, you know, I, I personally feel as a stylist, it's such a nice moment when something for a client, the designer and the client gets to meet. I think it's a very, very nice cool. thing. And, you, and you're, and you're a trooper. You're, you're, you've, you're a trooper across the board and you're, your clothes emulate that. And uh, I'm so excited about everything else you guys are working on and hopefully doing something really fun carpet soon. Yeah, and also I was gonna say that what's amazing about Christina is that like I was know if I could do it, but she trusted me and she trusted me in front of Uzo, in front of her clients, like didn't question me. And like that, when you're a young designer, like means the means world. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, this was awesome. We miss you guys. Hopefully miss we and see she's coming back soon i'm going to be in new york by the middle of december so when is the pop-up it is the 9th through the 12th and that's going to be in dime square like lower lower chinatown whatever it's really yeah. called but yeah it's going to be really fun exciting well best of nice. luck with that and so thank you so much thank, thank you both have a great day talk to you soon